Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for Let's Talk Recovery. My name is Aaron, this is Caleb. We're just grateful to have you guys back with us today. Um, if you haven't done so already, be sure to check us out on our social media, our Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Like, share our content there. Help us to grow this platform, to grow just the reach of what we're doing as we just really endeavor to change the culture that surrounds the recovery ministry in the church and in our communities. And then as always, I wanna encourage you just to, to um, give five-star reviews on wherever you're listening to your podcast at. Um, those reviews just help us to beat algorithms and to get our show um, more widely viewed. Um, and then pick up your copy of Pursuing Freedom from Amazon. That's the basis for our programs written by our very own Caleb Spryder. Well, today we're in episode 19 and it is, it's finally arrived. It's time to deviate. We've we've gone through every chapter of the book. So if you're just now joining us, be sure to go back and listen to the previous 18 episodes as we give a chapter by chapter breakdown of, of the program, why we approach um, recovery the way that we do, why we've broken away from the other um, avenues that shall not be named, celebrate recovery, NAAA, <laughs> just 12 steps in general, um, those ones that, that shall not be named. Mm. Um, but but now uh, we get to pivot. We get to have a little more fun. We get to broaden just kind of the reach and the scope of what we're doing. Flying uh, blind now. Yeah, flying blind. We get to become much more offensive and fun. Yes. Um, and so um, fun is inoffensive kind of, right? I mean, if you say it really hick, fun is in there. And It so, depends on how uh, stodgy you are, I guess. Yeah. It's just... <laughs> Offensive. Yeah. yeah. I do feel bad for our tens of listeners, though. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah, here we go. (laughs) It's going to get wild. No. Um, So today we're talking about some common uh, misconceptions, um, myths about recovery. um, As we've, uh, well, Caleb's served in recovery for a long time and in recovery ministry, so he's encountered a lot. Um, I was a drug addict for a long time, so I had lots of these excuses that, that he faced on the other side of it. And so That's all I based these off of was Aaron. Yeah. I just like, was like, man, Conversations all, with him. Yeah. And <laughs> he's been taking notes the last few that's, years. That's right. Like, yeah, one day yeah. we're going to sit and we're going to talk about these publicly. Um, See, if really, you notice this is, is the this, common th- yeah, theme here. Yeah, this is an intervention that I've just stepped into. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the reality is, I mean, we, we often run into the same walls with people, um, no matter what they're trying to change about their lives, that it is this common, these common themes really um, become very apparent to us. And oftentimes, this is what I personally know, be, I have been realistically on the other side of them, you don't see them. Um, you don't realize that you've stepped in the same pile of dung 30 times, and maybe that's why you're just not getting it all together. Um, and so we want to address just a few of those on this episode of things that you may be encountering in, in your life. Um, and the first is really important. It's it's a huge part of the culture that we're trying to shift in, in our churches, in our communities. And it's this, that recovery is only for chemical addictions. And so if you attend with us, um, you'll notice that, that we have people from all walks of life that we've really done a, a good job locally of breaking down the stigma and the stereotypes and broadening our reach in a significant way. And I do wanna take a moment and plug, as I'm thinking about it, because it has a lot to do with this, we'll have a round table coming up January 20th. Um, It's gonna be from nine to 3.30 p.m. We'll have some more information about how you can register for that event. There'll be a cost of $30. Lunch will be provided in that. Um, But this will be one of the things that we really talk about is why we should have a broader culture of recovery, why we really fail as a church and as a ministry if we've narrowed it to chemical addiction. So Caleb, you wanna open us up on this topic? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, recovery, uh, yeah, this myth, recovery is only for chemical di- addictions. I'm talking to you, church people. I mean, this is, so oh, yeah. just to put it out there, you know, um, y- church people, especially we think, though, we're not one of those, those unclean, those, those drug and alcohol addicts. We're not one of those. I got my life together. You know, I can't take my face out of my phone for 30 seconds to acknowledge my wife or my kids, but you know, I, at least I don't have a drug addiction. So, um, yeah, no, the, the, the central point of our, our, the, the program we use, which is the, the book I wrote is, is what we call a struggle and a struggle is anything that's come to dominate your life. And so anything that's taken the place of God in your life, basically anything that we've, we started to idolize or, you know, like, so we devote all of our time to, to the detriment of ourselves or others that, that 
I mean, and that can be so much in, in today's world. So social media, our phones, um, you know, uh, TV, I mean, um, food, shopping, gambling. Um, I mean, there, the, there's a whole litany of things. Any, like I said anything, any, human beings are idle making machines. I mean, football, college football, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, we, we know people that <clears throat> just eat, sleep, breathe, and die, you know, football that dominates your life. I used to be that way. Like if the team I, I follow uh, would lose, like my day would be ruined. I would be in a bad mood all day. That's not a healthy relationship with that thing, you know. Like I should be able to, to let it go. I don't know those people playing that game. You know, I'm not friends with <laughs> the quarterback if he throws an interception. Like I don't know him. And yet for whatever reason, that would just you know, ruin my day. And so um, we have to get away from this idea that if, as long as I don't have, you know, I'm not shooting something in my veins or drinking something out of a bottle, that I don't have a problem. That's, that's what we would call denial. And um, there's a lot of things that we allow to, to seep into our lives that become idols to us, that become, this is our thing, this is what, you know, I'm gonna, uh, it takes priority in my life. And, um, you know, uh, and, and we think it's okay because it doesn't fall under the list of common addictions. And um, so I would encourage you to, uh, to do away with that idea. Um, and, and I'll tell you another one that just popped in my head that's really bad is, is politics has become cool, yeah. some, I mean, when, if, you're, if you're adjusting your theology to align with your political party, then I think we have a problem with uh, first things being first, and, um, <laughs> and that's becoming a, a very common thing. Where we go, you know, I follow certain certain religion or faith, but my party says something else, and then it's like, well, I guess that's more important, you know. And so we we we'll align with that, and because again, we we've taken anything that's taken the place of God in our lives, you know, this is what we idolize, this is what we we worship. That that is. Or that's a struggle for us, and that's something that we need to address. Yeah, and just on the politics thing, I will say that that's both sides of the fence. Both sides, <clears throat> left or right, oh, yeah. we're, both are guilty of that. Um, yeah. So we're not pointing anything no. at one side or the other, like, but just get it together. Um, but, but recovery, there's this epic failure that I believe that the church has um, just been a party to when it comes to recovery. And, and what's happened is, what I believe is, is churches over time have fallen into these Christian club type of organizations. And so you've got the righteous people and then you've got those dirty, filthy sinners. And what, mm -hmm. what's happened is we've lost sight of the fact that first and foremost, Romans 3.23 tells us that we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Now, what it doesn't say is that some have fallen more than you. <laughs> like, that's the thing, we as people categorize sins mm -hmm. um, at different <clears throat> levels. and. God's word reveals that we're all wretched sinners. Um, so that, I'm not nearly wretched. You know. <laughs> yeah. So th that means you, who grew up in the church, has never left the church, has loved Jesus since you're eight, and were baptized at birth. You're a wretched sinner too. So much, just as much as the so as the, offended. Yeah, just as much as the junkie on the sidewalk or, or whoever else. And so, but instead, what we've done is we've categorized things, and because of that. Then we have this category for the really bad people and it's recovery and, yeah. and they need and they need this and it's not for me, it's for them. And we're um, such a good church because we, you know, we, we let them have the back room yeah. and make sure that they go in the back door though. We give them free pizza once a month. That's right, we don't, wanna, we don't want our regular congregation to see them, you know, so we'll, we'll throw them in the back and yeah. make sure they and do And I do wanna say this, I mean, Caleb and I, um, we're, we're lucky enough to be at a church that does not do this. So, I mean, if you're listening, you're like, oh, are they talking about their church? Absolutely not. No. Um, we have a phenomenal <laughs> senior pastor. This would be our last episode. <laughs> <laughs> who invests tons of just time and energy and finances into allowing us to do the things that we get to do. So I do want to clarify that. This yeah. is in no way a reference to what we're doing here. Can we be better? Yeah. Um, but we are leaps and bounds ahead of, of what I... I think a lot of people are, and a lot of, of churches are. But but what people have done, just in general, again, is they they've got these two categories. Um, I've used this example before um, when Jesus called uh, Levi, who became Matthew, the tax collector, and and then they went and.
and um, <laughs> Matthew invited him back to his place to have dinner with him. And, and the story tells us that here Jesus is, and the Pharisees are on the outside, and they're eating with, uh, Jesus is eating with the disreputable sinners. And, and the Pharisees are like, why does Jesus eat with such scum? And one of the things I believe the church has done is they, they, don't, they don't realize that they're one of the notorious sinners at the table, like we all are. Romans 3.23 tells us that, that we're all those sinners at the table, and we've fallen into the category of Pharisee. And we've somehow, we've read ourselves out of the table and then simultaneously deny the fact that we're one of the Pharisees, one of the brutes of snakes. And we're looking, oh man, it's so nice of Jesus to help those poor folk over there. We're the poor folk, all of us. Yeah. Like, we're, we're all those wretched, notorious sinners. Yeah, you know, that's, and that's what, um, and that's why I fell in love with recovery ministry is because, uh, I, I think, I can't remember if I shared this or not, but, you know, I, I started in recovery. I don't come from a background of, I'm, I'm the person you were talking about that's been in church forever. I accepted Jesus when I was eight. I kind of rededicated when I was 11. But I mean, I was always there, you know, great home life, family, family, grew up in the church, have, have stayed in the church. Uh, I don't come from that background of having, you know, a, a chemical addiction or any of that kind of stuff, but I had a friend ask me to come play guitar. And and it was shortly after starting to go to church here too, so I didn't even know, like, you know, what, what Cedar Point's point opinion of, of that, you know, recovery ministry was, like, you know, only after the fact we've realized that, you know, our pastor's very welcoming to that. But showing up, and um, just seeing the people here, it was so much different than what I grew up in because I grew up in a very conservative church from a very conservative type of denomination. Um, and I was like, this is what church is supposed to be because by just inherently by showing up to a recovery meeting, you're saying, I've got a problem. You know, it's like, that's, that's a level of honesty we don't see in a lot of churches on a Sunday. You know, and I was like, well, this is what, this is what, this is what it's supposed to be. This is what, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, man, this it's is the gospel. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I've been in church. I've been in, you know, quote unquote church all my life. And this is the closest I've been to, you know, what you see in, in where Jesus is hanging out with the, the quote unquote sinners. It's like, man, this is, this is what we're supposed to be doing. Saying, man, I'm, yeah, here, I'm, I'm, I'm coming, I'm coming to worship my God. And I and I'm and I'm not perfect, and, I, and I've got sin in my life, and I'm struggling with these things, and that's what that's what we're supposed to do, you know, and that's how we get through it, not by acting like everything's okay, and that I'm better than somebody because I don't struggle with this thing that they have or whatever, and so, um, I mean that that was <clears throat> that was what hooked me. Yeah, um, I, I like this verse too. This passage is out of Luke 18, starting in verse nine. And it gives another picture of this. And you guys will quickly see how passionate I am about this. But then Jesus told this story um, to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Oh my gosh, that sounds just like the hypocritical church that we hear all the time. I'm going to say that again just because in case you fall into this category. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. That's thinking that, you know, you aren't as broken as the people around you, or maybe you haven't sinned as much, or, you know, they're worse off than, than you somehow. Um, that This is to you, and this is to all of us on both sides. And, and so what I want you to think about is, is maybe you're the broken person who feels like you don't have a place in the church, or maybe you're the church that thinks that the broken person doesn't have a place in, you, in, in the same pew as you or seat or wherever. So Jesus tells a story. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. And so here, the Pharisee here was recognized by the community as righteous. And sometimes we have these people that go through the community. I go to church, I give, I serve, I do these things. Look at me, I'm so good. And then we've got the despised people and, and we place those people in recovery. That, that's where they need to go. Um, but they, um, one was a Pharisee, the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of my income. Have you ever walked down the street and just thought to yourself, man, I thank God I'm not like them. I'll be, I'll be honest, I've done that. 
I've done that. Um, I mean, let's have an honest conversation. If we're not careful, this this is what we do, mm-hmm. and I think we all fall into this. But but the church has done it. I mean, to just a point of detriment to broken people where they don't feel welcome anymore. They don't feel welcome, and so then we've got to create this whole other avenue to draw them in and to coax them in to what should just be every aspect of what we do. Um, and he goes on. It says, but the tax collector stood at a distance, dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. That's humble, humbled himself, realizing that he didn't deserve salvation. And so we get people in the church that after they've walked it out for a while, and again, if I'm not careful, I fall into this, that think somehow I deserve to be saved by Jesus and these other people, we're just helping these folks. They don't deserve anything, but we're just gonna be good to them. No, that's all of us, that's all of us. As dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I'm a sinner, I tell you. This sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And so recovery, it's not just for a chemical addiction. It's, it's, it is for everybody because we all have areas of brokenness. We've all been hurt. We've all been wounded. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> do you mean me too? Yes. Oh. Um, even though you were baptized <laughs> you at birth. <laughs> <laughs> we all fall into this category and and you know jesus said uh going back to when levi invited them over for dinner um one of his responses was um you know i've came for the the broken people the hurt people you know and the church is meant to be a hospital and we say mm-hmm. that um and then we forget we forget that but the recovery ministry you know i always equate it to this if the church is a hospital then the recovery ministry is the icu ICUs don't stand alone from a hospital. You don't just, there's not like the emergency room and then the ICUs across town somewhere else. Um, They're in the same building. They're a part of the same organization. They have the same administrators, same doctors. They're all the same. One is just for more extensive care. And so recovery ministry is an extension of the hospital, the church, um, for Mm. people who need a little extra. All of us need a little extra at some point in time. All of us, because guess what? Life sucks sometimes, even as Christians. And sometimes (laughs) you need a little extra. And that's what the recovery ministry is. It's not just for these super broken people. And when they get it all together, maybe we'll let them join us on a Sunday morning. No, it's it's for all of us. We need to begin just to break down the stigma and to realize that, that they're, they're no different. They're no different. The same thing that caused their brokenness causes brokenness in you, maybe in a different way. The addiction is not the issue. It's a heart issue, which we all have heart issues. It's all conditions of the heart. That's the sinful, broken nature of man. And so that's what we're addressing in in people with chemical addiction or um, Karen at the the supermarket who's screaming at the manager. They probably have the same area of brokenness. One decided to get high and and one decided to go chew somebody out like they're better than them. So um, it's the same things going on. Um, but we just we, we treat them like they're different, like it's a different breed of person. Yeah, no, I mean if you've if you've been talking if you've been with us since we started, that's part of what well, is one of our lessons or a few of our lessons is we 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 talk about the fact that our addiction or our struggles are, are just a symptom of a deeper problem that's a brokenness inside of us and where we have an emptiness that's left there because because we have we don't have God in the center of our lives and we and we're missing out on that value purpose or meaning that that God provides us and so I mean like I said that like like everyone's talking about it doesn't matter um, if you're caring from the cul-de-sac or you're you know shooting up on the on the in a back alley somewhere like there's a there's a hole there that that needs to be filled and it can only be satisfied by God. Um, which I think go ahead and le- leads us into the next one. I think we probably beat that that horse pretty good. I think <laughs> um, hopefully you got our point. And like I said, most of that is pointed at at church people. You know, I, I, I want to make that clear that I'll tell you when I'm done <clears throat> beating a dead horse. Yeah, well, well I'm sure we'll, we'll revisit it um, because because it does need to be revisited. We do need yeah. to beat that a lot. But anyway, so so that but it does tie us into this next myth, and that's that's you should be embarrassed or ashamed to admit that you attend a recovery group or that you should be embarrassed or shamed to come to, like you should feel this off, like, I don't I don't think so. Now you may have some embarrassment or shame uh, kind of built around your struggle and, and, and that's a natural kind of thing to, to, to have, but to show up to a recovery group, um, 
you shouldn't be ashamed of that. That that's you're you're making an effort. You know, you're making an effort to to better yourself to get out of that. That's that's not a bad thing. I mean, do do you want to go put it on your you know resume for your next job? Probably not. But like we we do. Like I was talking about, we you know we we put the recovery program in the back in the back you know so nobody sees you coming in and you know use hey use the back door it'll be you know there's nobody back there and we, we won't see you and we don't want to see them and we don't want you know like that's a separate thing man I, I i'm super happy the people that come in we you know come in the front man we're we're happy to have you you should be happy to be here because that means we're making it we're, we're at least making an effort right because you don't have to be here on monday you could be at home doing whatever it is you're struggling with or you can be at home doing nothing but being home doing nothing is not getting better and so the fact that you show up to a group whatever day or time it is is that that's huge and that's not something we should ever be ashamed or embarrassed about when we should never let somebody else who doesn't uh, either understand what we've been through or somebody who is unwilling to be honest with themselves and admit the problems that they have shame us or make us feel embarrassment about coming and, and doing something to take care of ourselves i'm about to get ranty too <laughs> i can feel it i'll, I'll help you um <laughs> this may end up being a two-parter oh man um <laughs> you know that's one of the reasons here um we refuse to be anonymous um we i've had people come up to me and saying oh man the, there was pictures of what was taking place that person posted um, shouldn't this be anonymous? No, no, it no. shouldn't be. It no. will not be. Um, I'm not going to contribute to that great lie of um, recovering yeah. anonymously. It's not biblical. Um, there's there's no element of it that that I want to encourage or perpetrate. Just that that lie or misconception that that we should anonymously heal or grow. Recovery in our past, um, it, it, it's it's meant to be public. It, you're, oh man. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, talking about that, yeah, because I get it too. You know, people, because in other, in other recovery groups, you know, oh, you can't post pictures, you can't do anything. I'm like, yeah, look at, look at our, go to our, go to our Facebook page or anything and, and look at the pictures of all the people that are happy and smiling and, and proud of the fact that they're making a difference in their oh, lives. Yeah. And I'm super proud and, and, and happy of the fact that they're doing it. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it, it, uh, if that makes you uncomfortable, I get it. And that th that is a culture around recovery that has been just just pushed out there. And I mean, are we out posting people's names? Like, you know, here's a list of everybody that showed up on a Monday. Yeah, no, we're we telling don't. The we don't for do them. that. We don't do that either. No, I mean, you know, you do that kind of thing, but we're we're celebratory here about what we're doing, and and we're not embarrassed or ashamed about that. And we don't want people. We want that. Heck, that's what people need most of the time that are coming to us. They need to be encouraged and feel, hey, good job. Way yeah. to go. <clears throat> you know, I coach my kids soccer. When 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 one of them messes up, I'm not like, for shame, <laughs> go to the side and, and think about what you did and, and hide from the rest of your team. You should be embarrassed and go practice that until you get it figured out. You know, you know it's like, man. I shouldn't we, parent that way. Huh? I shouldn't parent that way. No. Oh. You know, I sit there, you know, we, we correct it. We work on it. Hey, that's all right. We're going to mess up. We're going to keep working on it. We're going to get it better. And, you know, and then when you get it better, we celebrate together as a team. Hey, we, you know, we, we ran this play or we, you know, we did this thing the right way, way to go. That's something we should be proud of. And, you know, when we don't get it right, it's all right, guys. We're going to keep working on it. We just got to identify those problems. But no, in recovery, it's like, oh, you should be embarrassed about it. Like, because you're human. I mean, you know, because life, life hits you, you know, extra hard. And, and, you know, we just struggled in a different way than other people do. Or, you know, you're not as good as putting on a fake face and, and acting like everything's okay. I, I don't see why we should, you know, we should do that. So, so no, we aren't. Yeah, there's yeah. nobody out there walking around who has it all together. And so, one, you know, once we realize that recovery is for everybody because we're all you know, on the same playing field here, it becomes a lot easier to swallow this pill that, and again, there, I shouldn't anonymously you know, go work on myself, that it's okay that, that I have people around me that know what's going on, that it can be there to encourage me. Um, and then there shouldn't be any shame or guilt about pursuing that. You know, if I were to start going to school, um, to further my education, and I posted about that, nobody would be like, man, what a loser. Why hasn't he gone to college already? Why does he even yeah. need that? No, I mean, because what am I doing? I'm, I'm doing something to, to 
further myself, to better myself. Um, recovery is the same type of thing. I mean, we should have that same type of, man, I'm doing something great. Why don't you all come celebrate with me and encourage me? Because that's what we do when we post about these other, you know, great accomplishments in life or things that we're doing. That This is the same. Yeah. This is the same type of thing that should have the same type of... Um, encouragement with it. I don't want to say pride, but um, right. it, is, it should be something that we celebrate together. And when we see somebody else attending and say, good for you, me, and we should go with them. Yeah. <laughs> be a part of it. Let's, let's do to this together. Treat your recovery like it's a drug deal. That's great. You yeah. know, oh, just do it in the bag, do it on the side. Yeah. Don't talk about it in public with anybody. Yeah. Yeah. We're fight clubs. <laughs> that's not, yeah, that's not triggering at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And so um, recovery mm. is not just for chemical addiction and it is not something that you should be ashamed by, um, that you should have guilt or embarrassment over. Um, it's something that it's a good thing it's a good step whether you're working on chemical addiction whether you're working on your marriage or any number of strongholds that that you've bought into or lives or things that you're pushing past that that when we take steps to do something better that is a good thing for us and so um, that brings us to our next myth i believe yeah for this one um this is caleb's favorite um and uh, it's one it took us a while to get him to stop believing this lie but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've never had this problem, <laughs> which, is, which has kind of been a problem in and of itself. So um, the you are quote unquote powerless, like that's, and you know, and before you you write us an email about like, well, that's not what it really means. Like, the fact that we use that word in recovery is 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 bad. I think, um, like, you don't have to say you're powerless to to admit that you need help, you need support, um, but. But that's one of the first things we did when I developed our program was said, we're going to move away from this. And the reason is, is that because um, it, it, that word in and of itself just removes responsibility. And that's the last thing we want to do with people who are struggling in addiction is to be like, well, it's not your, you know, you have no responsibility in this. And, um, well, you don't know my past. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. You could have live life extra hard yeah. and but I, I would imagine that somewhere in your past there are things you did or choices you made that 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 played a role at least well it's least not my fault a mild role yeah it's exactly it's not my fault it's there's nothing i can do about it yeah. this happened to me you know i can't help it that's that's what powerless says to me i just i just i never liked that word and never liked that being a part of recovery ministry well, I'm just a victim, and I'll only ever be a victim. So. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um. Any other any other cliches you got? That's. <laughs> I mean, but you can see in our joking here that that this is what these are the the kind of the the things that come with that that idea is that we're powerless. Well, I'm a victim. You know, there's nothing I could. You you know, and and I'm not saying that you were not a victim. That yeah. you could have been a victim of abuse, and um, you 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 played no role whatsoever <laughs> in that. But in that, somewhere down the line that we, we've got to make a choice to start living our lives again. And so we do take, do take back some of that power. And, and the, the greatest thing you can do, or the, the, the I'm sorry, not greatest, the worst thing you can do um, if you've been vict victimized by somebody is to allow them to continue to have that victory over you by continuing to not live your life because of something that's happened in your past. And at some point we can take responsibility of how we're gonna to respond to that and, and take back some of that power and, and start making choices to live a, a life that God, you know, has for us. And, you know, even out of that, that hurt and broken place, he can, he can do some great things. But that's only if we choose to, to take power back and to take responsibility in, in, in our choices moving forward and how we respond to that. And so there's always something that we can do. And so God, I, mean, I think that, I think saying that we're powerless takes away from what God has done for us. I mean, God has given us an amazing body and a mind and the ability to choose I mean, he gave us free will, gave us agency, you know, all the, this, we're unlike the animals, all the other animals, right? They just kind of go about life and just do whatever they feel in the moment. They don't, they don't get to choose between, you know, what's the right, you know, well, down the line, is it really the best option for me to do this thing or how, how can, you know, they can't sit there and step away from a circumstantial situation to think about it, but we can. And that's because God made us in his image. And then we go, well, I'm powerless, so, you know, that takes away what God has done for us. 
I think. And so, um, no, I, I, like I said, I think that's, I think it's insulting to God to, to be like, well, I know you gave me all these tools, God, but you know, I'm not good enough to use them. It's like, nope, that's not what God made us for. No. Um, and it's, it is one of those things, uh, man, I, sh- I share Caleb's passion on this, um, that it's, it's so stupid to sit there and continue to just allow yourself to be um, a victim, to allow yourself to, to struggle over the same things and make no progress or no effort and act like you just have no say in the matter whatsoever. And again, before the angry emails, I was personally a victim. I was a victim of sexual abuse um, for, for many years and, and I fell into that trap and that lie personally where because this happened, then it justified every crap decision I made after that. And I refused to step out of addiction for almost 20 years because you don't know what I've been through. You don't know, you know, my story. And that was all just insanity. And we have to realize that that's not at all um, true. Once we step in again, and again here we believe that recovery pivots around a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so once you've stepped into that relationship with Jesus, this is no longer a true statement. There's scripture to support. Yeah, outside of Christ, you're powerless in your addiction. You know, because we've given in to our flesh, which is just our desire. Um, but, you know, it's almost like an animalistic thing before Christ that, that you are kind of aimless, <laughs> you know, yeah. in a sense. But but scripture paints a completely different picture for those of us who, who have called on Jesus and, and humbled ourselves before him and says, you know what? I need you to save me, and and I want you to be Lord of my life. I want to share Romans, just part of it. I would encourage you, read the entire chapter of Romans 6, and then reread it, and then reread it again. Romans 6 um, just really gives incredible insight to, to why this should never be a statement that's perpetrated in the church, especially in so-called Christ-centered recovery programs. That if you're saying this, and you're saying that you're a Jesus-centered recovery program, shame on you and you're a liar Um, and you can email me or call me whatever i don't care Um, i would love to have the conversation with you and i'd love for you to try to show me how you have any scriptural context or foundation to make that statement within a christ-centered recovery program but just just a blurb out of romans 6 and i've got more for you if you want to come have that one-on-one with me (laughs) just calm down yeah breathe anyways romans 6 16 um Side note, I've had way too much caffeine today. (laughs) But um, don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? So that means, you know, if you're obeying your flesh, which is what we do outside of, of Christ, you become a slave to that. And in slavery, you're in bondage. In slavery, you become powerless in a sense. Um, and it says you can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. So you can make that choice that, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna be a slave to, to getting high and to drinking. I'm going to be a slave to pornography and, and lust. I'm going to be a slave to anger. I'm going to be a slave to fear. Um, we, we can make that choice if that's what we choose um but it also says this or so you can be a slave or there's there's an or well that doesn't fit the narrative to to what people want to perpetrate in recovery there there's yeah. not a second option the only option is to be I can't powerless myself. Yeah. i can't control myself and just sit on the couch I and just, just to do what i have to and do. just pray yo somebody mm-hmm. spaghetti monster please take <laughs> this away from me no or <laughs> or you can choose to obey god which leads to righteous living. That, that's set apart living. That's, that's different living than, than, than you were living before. And we talked about in this, some in the last episode that there's something that takes place, that takes hold when we choose to obey God, that there's not slavery and humbling ourselves to God. There's freedom in it. There's a freedom to be had. And then it says, thank God, once you were slaves of sin. That's before Jesus. So that's a true statement there that you were powerless outside of your relationship with Christ. So once you were slaves to sin, but that's kind of like or. So this was true, but now there's there's a new truth. But (laughs) now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching which we've given you. So what that's saying is as you lean into God's word and you wholeheartedly pursue it and, and, and endeavor to obey it and, and apply its truth to your life, that there's something else that can take place. So wholeheartedly obey this teaching we've given you. Now, now you were free from your slavery to sin. It, it's almost like this statement fits the title of your book. 
Hmm. Huh. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> You're not powerless, but you can pursue freedom? Yeah. Oh, weird. Now you are free. It's almost free. biblical. Yeah. It's almost biblical. Now you are free from your slavery to sin. Think about that. Free from your slavery to sin and to become slaves to righteous living. But again, let, let's just go around and continue to perpetrate the lie that we're powerless in our yeah. addiction. Um, you know, Paul says in, uh, I believe it's 2 Timothy, I can't remember the right verse, but it's like God hasn't given us a spirit of fear and of timidity, but uh, one of power yeah. and, and right living. Um, that, that again, when we become Christians, we're indwelled with God's Holy Spirit, um, which is a person of the Trinity. Like you have, you have God inside of you. And through that, you're no longer powerless, but yeah. you are a new creature, new creation. Old is gone, the new is here, and you have, um, you have power to, to pursue sanctification, right living, become righteous. Um, I mean, just, man, I used to go on and on and on. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, not... So, you know, some some people who maybe are, you know, part of the traditional recovery programs and things will come at us with, you know, well, what that really means is that, you know, you, you say you're powerless because then it's, it's admitting that you need help and that you can't do it by yourself. Yeah. You know what? We do that in our program without using the word powerless. And, and words matter, you know, and by throwing that word out there, you implant that idea in the, in the head that you, you don't have anything to contribute to this pro process. And people do, you do need help if you're in addiction. You need, you need support. You need encouragement. You need guidance. You need those things. But none of those things work if you don't do the work. And, um, you know, and if that, if, if the word powerless, to say I was powerless in my addiction was such an effective way to, to put that message across, then why is it that I've encountered so many people who have, who have walked away from a traditional recovery program because they're like, I didn't like the way that was, I didn't like being told I was powerless. They took it that way to, to, to think that they, they don't have anything they can do. And they're like, man, I, that's not for me. I'm not, I'm not just, you know, you know, uh, some sort of jellyfish here that's just laying, waiting for somebody to, you know, throw me back in the water. Like I can't, you know, operate under my own abilities. And so, so like I said, words matter and how, you know, now words don't, you know, I'm not saying that in like a law of attraction way or anything like that. Not to be confused, you know, we've we've gotten that uh, from people. But anyway, <coughs> I digress. Um, but to to say that, like I said, regardless of it, if it means, like in a literal sense, that you are powerless, meaning you can't do anything to fix your addiction, or you're powerless as in that you need to admit that you need to ha to have help. Either way, using that that word and that verbiage. To, to convey that message is does more I think does more harm than good which is exactly why not only have we moved away from that we actively preach against that because you are not powerless you do have the ability to, to make choices even if things have happened to you and things that are outside of your control you do have the ability to make a decision to, to start living your life in a different way and, and I don't say that like it's easy none of this is easy and I'm not saying like you should just well you should just get over it that's not what I'm saying I'm, that, that struggle is hard and you know for people that have gone through that I can't relate and I don't you know I don't even attempt to act like I understand the pain and the, and the, the emotional trauma that you go through with that um, but you know as they say in you know, Shawshank Redemption you know you get busy living or get busy dying I mean at some point if you want to live your life you're gonna have to make a choice and that comes from you you know and that now you and like I said you get encouragement from the people that are in your recovery group and you get guidance and, and wisdom and um, <clears throat> assurance from God but but again God doesn't make you do it that's up to you you know and that's a choice you make and it doesn't matter if you know well you don't know what I've been through and blah, 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 and all the excuses that you come up with. At the end of the day, it's you that has that, that ability to make that choice. Yeah, I'm very much, uh, <clears throat> it's very much one of those things that, um, it's not very clear. Um, <laughs> I, I can go off on that one. Yeah, um, well, I think we did. Yeah, well, <laughs> I still feel like I was being reserved. <laughs> Part two, powerless. That's what gonna, <laughs> next week. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, so you want to, you want to touch on this next? Yeah, um, so much, much, uh, much easier one to, to debunk here. And this was actually, this got on the list just because this is like the one, like one comment we've gotten on our videos, like once I was on there. Somebody said that uh, medication is the only way to overcome addiction. It's like, well, if you ever show up on a Monday night, that is, 
<laughs> proven completely false. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, anybody else that's gone through, you know, the other traditional recovery programs, AAs, you know, celebrate recoveries and A's, they have, they have a lot of, you know, they have success. Um, uh, I'm, and, you know, as much as we kind of rail against them, I'm not saying those aren't effective, you know, but I just think we're more effective. But anyway, um, well, my my main <clears throat> stigma with him is they're not Christ-centered. And well, that's that's true. <laughs> I, that, that I, I agree. Not with that you. you can't find success there, but right. But um, people go through those programs all the time without medication, and so um, you know, they, like I said, if uh, there's that idea, there's you know, there is, uh, and, and it also depends on your struggle, right? Now, if we're only talking about a chemical dependence, then medication will help with that, or you know, maybe some other uh, issues that are maybe stemming out of depression or those kinds of things. Uh, but I mean, there's not a medication for uh, you know social media addiction or shopping addiction or food. Um, you know, I know there's plenty of ads on TV for drugs to help you lose weight or you see that kind of stuff or to control your appetite, but um, that, that they don't work. So, um, you really want to take this in an offensive way? No. <laughs> All right. You, that look <laughs> says no. That's not the, it's not the okay. wisest choice. All right. I'll, I'll refrain. All right. You can tell me afterwards. <laughs> um, but so... Yeah, I mean, like so this is pretty simple. There's not something we need to spend a ton of time on. But no, it, it's like you don't have to have medication, obviously, to get over your addiction. Um, anything you want to add on that before I move on to the, the next one, which is the flip side of this coin? Uh, no, I, I mean, it just, I just want to reiterate that that's a stupid statement. Um, if the person Somebody who made that statement yeah, <laughs> happened to be listening to this and you made that statement, you're wrong. And please don't say stupid stuff on our things anymore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> At least don't say stuff in public like that because yeah. we'll, we'll ridicule you to our tens of listeners. And I mean, you don't know that, but yeah, it makes us feel good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the, the flip side to this, um, mm. I, I really do. Um, this is I'm a big advocate for this because I, I believe uh, there's some hun unhealthy things that the church has done. You know, as much yeah. as we do rail against um, organizations outside of the church, um, inside of the church, there's been a lot of unhealthy teaching from time to time, and this this is one that um, that has come up. Yeah, I was going to say this one's directed at church people again. So you want to go ahead? And yeah. So we just said medication is the only way to overcome addiction. Um, this myth is that you don't need medication to overcome addiction. And um, again, this is more directed at the church. Uh, that sometimes, you know, oh, if you're depressed, that's just because you don't love Jesus enough, or you don't pray enough, or you don't, you know, have enough faith, or any of that stuff. It's like no. Actually, I've got a chemical imbalance in my body that needs to be corrected with the help of medication. You know that happens. Lack of faith. Yeah, lack of faith. That's that's what that that's what that pill's called. Actually, is faith. It's, yeah. not, it's not Xanax. It's. <laughs> I'm just but um. Yeah. So so there's physiological. And we talked. We've hit on this before in a previous episode. But for those who missed that one or just want to hear us rail against church again, um, the. There, there are physiological things that happen in our bodies that uh, uh, affect us in a negative way. And I just love how, like, you know, again, kind of the short-sightedness of the church in that, you know, the same person who tells you you don't need, uh, you don't need any medication to help you get over your depression uh, is on three medications to control their heart you know, their blood pressure, you know, or on two medications to keep their blood sugar down or something like that. You know, it's like, okay, um, I don't know, maybe think a little bit more before you put those statements out. So, uh, you know, all sorts of things can go wrong in our bodies. And part of that is, like I said, the chemicals that come out of our brain. And th th that's just the thing. And so sometimes you can get in such in, to such a negative uh, cycle with your uh, hormones and like I said, different things that are happening inside of our bodies that, that you do need medical assistance, um, medication assistance to help you get through that. Um, and, and I would, you know, that's, that's a discussion that can be had with you and your doctor. And, um, you know, when you get on that, does that mean you have to be on it for life? Not necessarily, but, you know, sometimes people just have a deficiency there. I mean, there's just all sorts of reasons that, that kind of thing can happen. And we shouldn't ever shame somebody for needing extra help when it comes to that kind of thing. Yeah, um, one of the ways that I always explain this to people is, you know, God's Word tells us that we are created in the image of God. We we believe um, 
our theology here, um, as Protestant Christians, um, that God is a triune being, um, and we believe that we are triune, which is three in one. So three separate distinct parts that also make up one um, individual. So singular God with three distinct parts of God, really deep, uh, not gonna get into that. But as people, we're the same. So we have a very physical body, um, and then we have a soul, which is our consciousness, our, our thoughts, and then we have a spirit, which will live forever. And so each of those parts, being separate and distinct, create one whole person. So three parts create Aaron, three parts create Caleb, three parts create you. Now, all three of those parts need care. Um, and so, you know, even as you come into a relationship with Jesus, you know, you're, you're made new as your soul. Your soul is reborn. It's a new creation, creation new creature. Well, in recovery, you know, there's, there's an aspect of that where um, maybe you have a very physical, like physical body addiction. So God's created you new, but you just quit doing a hard substance, you're going to go through withdrawal. Like, um, mm-hmm. you know, that that's very likely outcome there. Now, is that because you weren't saved? No, you're, you're new creation, creation, but your physical body still needs healing. Um, there's thought processes that you need to overcome. You know, so there's things that take place where you, you've got to treat all three aspects of who you are, who God created you to be. Um, and this is very important in recovery. It's very important just in day-to-day to make sure that you're spending time to, to be healthy in all avenues. I I love the Lord and you know, God's word says that Jesus is living water. Um, but guess what? Um, as much as my soul needs Jesus's living water, um, I also need to drink physical water um, <laughs> or I'll die. <laughs> Same is true of you. Um, does that mean God's a liar? No, it means God was talking about my soul and his he yeah. is living water for my soul, but I still have a very physical vessel at the time um, that, that needs care as well, and so it needs to drink water. So when we're talking about um, substance abuse or addiction, mental health, we need to treat all aspects. And so, there's again, there's very unhealthy teachings that have come about in, in church settings, um, probably exclusively. I can't think of any other group that does something as stupid as this, but... Um, I'm sure they're out there, <laughs> yeah. but... Um, we need to make sure that that you're caring for for all aspects of that. So I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with going to your doctor and he's like, hey, listen, there's, there's a chemical imbalance here. It's it's contributing to your depression. Your depression's contributing to your substance abuse issue here. Let's begin to treat that. And well, in conjunction with that, um, I would encourage you. Your doctor probably wouldn't, but I would encourage you to read your Bible, to pray, to go to church, and, and work on this spiritual aspect of of yeah. yourself as well. Um, and then you might go to a psychologist, this other guy, and he's just like, you know here let's let's do counseling and let's work on on your soul your consciousness your spirit it's okay to to approach something from all three of those avenues and oftentimes we don't we think of it in terms of uh, of singularities where it's like uh i'm just going to focus on the spiritual aspect and everything else will take care of itself probably not um you know just like if you only focus on the physical and you neglect the spiritual not a good idea i mean we I can't need just to... pray to lose weight and it just happens like no um, <sighs> God, I mean, that sounds way easier than working out. It does. Um, <laughs> Lord help me. Yeah. <laughs> now, <laughs> so we just, you've got to come to that, just that realization that, that it's okay to work on at all sides of that triangle there <laughs> and, to, and to give care to all three sides. Don't neglect one over the other. Um, and, and, you know, through that, you know, there, there's greater health to be had. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, again, just to point out that you're, you're, you're in, if you, if you think that, like, if you're like, you, you know, depression is just a lack of faith or something like if that's you and you're listening to us, uh, you probably already turned it off by now. But if you haven't, I'm going to just give you one more reason to turn it off. Um, if you, again, if you take any, any medication at all for anything else, you know, if you take a, a leave for pain or, you know, you're on blood pressure medicine, like you have an inconsistent belief because you're using other things to control other physiological processes in your body. And some people just may need to have, you know, they've just got a different physio- physiology issue going on that needs to be controlled in a different way. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it doesn't make them less of a person or weak. They don't have weak faith or anything like that. So, uh, do better, you know, that's all I can say about that. Like, and it's not just depression, you know, there's plenty of, there's medications that help people come off alcoholism and, and other, other drugs. And so, you know, like what, and just, it, it's, it's a silly idea and I don't know how it's persisted. Well, it's because we're, 
because the church is full of weak-minded people sometimes. So, you know, <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying it is like I said if you just if you if you give it about 2 seconds thought and, and take it to its conclusion, like I said, most of the people who said that are on three medications to control your blood pressure, it's like how do you not see how hypocritical that is? So, um yeah, did we did we beat that horse? Yeah, that was good. <laughs> because it well, but man, it needs to be it needs to be beat because man, that 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 one and then the you know acting like recovery people are lesser than those two things, man, they just get under my skin. Yeah. Anywho, um, do you want to? I know we're kind of far in. You want to do that one or save that for a standalone? Oh no, we can hit it, but okay. well, it's worth it's we'll worth. Come, we'll come back to it. We love beating again. this horse. Yeah, you know. So this one's really great. Getting into a relationship like going through recovery is a good idea. Um, no. Yeah, because <laughs> you're actively working on yourself. Like, guess what? It, it's okay. To but I messed up. She's messed up. We can fix each other. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> let's go down, down together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's it's that's like, what's happening there. So. It's like a. My favorite movie is Rocky, and and uh, Polly, his his friend, who's the brother of Adrian, asks Rocky, he's like, oh, what do you see? I don't get it. What do you see in her? And Rocky says, oh, I've got gaps. She's got gaps. We feel gaps. That that works in like a normal setting, but when you're coming to recovery, if your gaps are like hardcore, you know, chemical addictions, <laughs> no, you're not gonna fill those gaps. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Well, she's addicted to meth, and I'm addicted to alcohol, so we're not gonna, yeah. you know, trigger each other. Because <laughs> she doesn't do what I do, and it, no, don't. Yeah. Until you get yourself right, you're not ready to 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 do life together with somebody else in an intimate way. Yeah, you know. And it's on all sorts of things, really. Um, what, I mean, one of the main things that comes around to you is just. Uh, you know, your fulfillment, if you're looking to anyone else at any other point in time to be fulfilled in, in, in a way, you're probably missing it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's, uh, I, don't, I don't need my wife to be complete. Um, my wife, I mean, she, she brings balance to my life, but um, I, I find everything I need through, through Jesus, through my relationship with God, um, and my wife is a great addition to that, and I would hate to do life without her in any way, any form or fashion. Um, but my my source for what I need day to day does not come from her; it comes from God. And so, um, if you're trying to fix yourself, whether it's chemical addiction or any other thing that you're coming through, and you haven't come to that conclusion that all that you need comes from God. If you can't be content in a relationship with Jesus, you have no business expanding that pool to include another person. Um, and so I think that's really the thing just to kind of drive home here. Yeah. It's, uh, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's like Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, like both by themselves, great individual players, obviously Michael Jordan, the best and then, but Scottie Pippen by himself is a great individual player, but you put those two on a I team. LeBron was the GOAT. <laughs> Don't, don't even, <laughs> I'm not I'm even gonna hear a rant, and yeah. I'm not even I'm not even a fan. I'm not either. Yeah, I don't care, I, but I'll rant on that. It's, anyway, it's just for, but you put those two together on a team, and all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're winning five national champ or not national world championships or whatever, you know, NBA championships. Um, those two guys complement each other because they're complete players by themselves. Yeah, and, and and by you know, you putting them together, them being able to operate at a high level by themselves do they become even better you know it's not you know if, if they were deficient in any way they wouldn't they wouldn't have been a championship you know pair so that's just my i don't know sports <laughs> illustration for you but that's a good one. yeah but i mean that's that's how you that's how you need to come into relationships together is that you like aaron said i'm you know i don't want to live by myself but i could you know i would be fine by myself and my wife would be good by herself, um, but man, we're so much better together, and that's because we're we're able to, you know, I don't I don't need something from her, in in like a to complete me as a person, and so, and same with her, so if, <clears throat> and then that's where we get into you know this ultra power dynamic because then all of a sudden if you need you know I need this person to fulfill this you know my daddy issues or mommy issues or whatever else we got going on now all of a sudden <clears throat> it's an unhealthy you know it's an unhealthy balance because now they're they're having to fill a role that they're not supposed to be filling and so um, 
coming out of in, in you know a lot of people coming in coming you know you're just starting in your recovery journey very emotional a lot of feelings a lot of changes and you and you just kind of you see somebody who strikes your your fancy and you're just like man that person will make me feel so much better or you're just looking at the physical side of things um which you shouldn't be doing anyway but um you know you're looking at it from a very short-term kind of perspective and um what happens then is you get you get together and then that ends up derailing everything because you know nothing makes you feel great like your marriage falling apart or something like that so so no <clears throat> if you're going through recovery and you haven't really gotten the, the concepts down and you you know and you're still struggling with uh, a lot of the the main your main problems until you get yourself right until you get god into the center of your life and you're living within his purpose for you and I, I would highly encourage you to stay away from any sort of romantic relationships because <laughs> i mean can they survive yes they can i mean there's always somebody out there who who is the exception to the rule but they're the exception to the rule yeah and uh <laughs> it was just uh if you're constantly finding the love of your life, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're talking about no, you. No, this is the one. Yeah. 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 Um, if you've made that statement multiple times, we're, we're talking to you. Um, yeah. If you're, um, if, if a relationship recently fell apart, like in the last year, and you're pursuing another relationship, yeah. we're talking to you. Yes. So just, just in case you're like wondering, oh man, I'm glad I'm not one of those people. Maybe you are. Yeah. Again, What's the common thread if there? Yeah. <laughs> if it's um, <laughs> multiple people and you're... If you've been in more than one relationship in the last two years, we're talking to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, of course, I mean, you know, we're, t we're coming from perspective of, of a Christian perspective where, you know, we don't come from the hookup culture perspective where no. you count a relationship as somebody who swiped right on... Tinder? Is that what it is or whatever? I don't know. I don't know. even know what they're on now. Is, yeah. Is whatever that... that dating app thing is where, you know, like, oh, we got we got a match. So that's like, in, you know, you hook up and that's a relationship. No, that's not a relationship. That's that's not. Anyway. Um, no, I mean, we're talking from the perspective of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for somebody to spend my life with. Like that, that kind of relationship, you know, if that's you, then, yeah. If, if we're we're continuing to, to find our, our next true love or that's the one then then we've got some problems down inside of us that we need to get rectified before yeah. we find the next the one <laughs> now be my, looking for my, a continuation of this conversation oh yeah in the very near this future. is a two to three parter I'm yeah. sure <laughs> yeah lastly um, <laughs> and uh, I just, I don't get this mindset. It comes forth in a few ways, but This it's, is probably at church people too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, people in recovery can't overcome their past. And so basically, I mean, if, you, if that's a statement that you make and you, you know, you don't believe that everybody can, can change, like then be clearly have not bought into God's word in any form yeah. or fashion since that's pretty much one of the great hinges of the gospel. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and I see it a lot of ways. Um, one of the glaring ways I see it in recovery ministries is uh, if you show up to a program every day and you're like sober and you keep declaring yourself a, a drug addict or an alcoholic, um, that's one of the ways I see this yeah. inside of recovery. And then on the outside of recovery where, you know, you have people that have maybe um, – been in blatant sin that you're aware of and you just feel like you know they're a lost cause they're not worth it there's no need to um that they can't be saved this is that what they've done is too horrific um those are two of the the primary areas that i see this played out nothing says i believe in, in an all-powerful all-loving all-redeeming god like that guy can't ever get over his past sin <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean yeah you're you're right yeah if you and that could be kind of a myth that we could add on here that you touched on, Aaron. Is that the um, well, I'm I'm an I'm an alcoholic, you know? Like, well, when was the last time you had a drink? Fifteen years ago. I don't know. Sounds like you're not an alcoholic to me. Yeah. I mean, now does that mean you should go out and drink? No, you know, obviously that's a, that's a hang-up for you. Yeah, faith, um, faith isn't a substitute for wisdom. <laughs> yeah, but. Um, to sit there and keep identifying yourself as this thing that happened in your past that you successfully, you know, 
whether it's through a Christian recovery program, through the power of God or your own whatever, I mean, you successfully have overcame it. I mean, for all intents and purposes, I mean, you haven't, if you've been sober for, you know, 15 plus years, then I don't know, I can, I could probably, uh, you could probably drop that label, you know, and quit walking around and, and calling yourself that. Now you can say, I was an alcoholic. I've been an alcoholic in the past. I don't walk around and be like, well, I'm a toddler. Well, when were you a toddler? I was about, I don't know, 35 years ago. Like, you know, it was a phase of my life, but, uh, you know, but only through the, you know, strength and perseverance did I overcome it. I mean, you know, so that, that is true. You do see that, um, you, you are not, you're, you are not your past, you know, and it, that's, that's always a sign of somebody that's kind of got an unhealthy sense of self is that if they ever identify themselves by one aspect of either their past or their personality or who they are, you know, this is who I am. Um, this is this is everything about me. It's I'm going to identify as this thing, and this is this is what I am. Like if that's you, we we need to to work with you a little bit. You need to round yourself out because nobody's any one thing except of their past, you know, or their present, or you know what they do. Um, but then yeah, and then the flip side, like I said, this is more the uh, kind of a church thing. It's like man, I this goes back to the the medication thing. It's, it's it's hypocritical to sit there and tell me that you believe in God the God of the Bible and, and his redeeming love and then be like, yeah, but that guy, you know, I know he did some stuff with that girl. I know she did some stuff, you know, before. And so, you know, you can't, you can't trust them to be yeah. a good person or to, to overcome that or like, uh, no, no, I mean, you know, it doesn't mean, again, like Aaron said, you know, faith isn't a substitute for wisdom. There's certain circumstances, especially in recovery ministry, because we do deal with, uh, you know, some, some troubled past. And there's some, you know, and we do have safeguards over certain things, and especially depending on different people and that kind of stuff. But um, that doesn't mean we don't love on those people or, you know, expect them to, uh, you know, uh, to, to, to behave like a Christian because we know they're a professing Christian and, you know, they've, they've repented of, of their sins and they're, they're doing the things to, to, to walk in, you know, in the purpose for God. Of God, so um, you know, like I said, we don't just blatantly ignore that kind of stuff. Like I said, but but to act like somebody is just can never rise above what they've done in the past is not a biblical uh, point of view. Or it's not Christian. Yeah, not at all. I mean, it is one of those things. Again, I mean, I have people come up to me and they're like, uh, "Hey, I don't know um, if you know what they've done, but do you think they should be here?" Yes, yes, I do, um, because it's through the the power of God and the encounter with the Holy Spirit that that people are changed and they do, in fact, overcome their past. Um, and I mean, it's in order to make those statements. One, you're falling victim to the lie that we touched on in the beginning that that somehow what other people have, did, have done is worse than what you've done, and that's not at all what God's Word tells us about us. That that we're all again coming from the same place, and so um, if you want to be forgiven and um, to, to be able to grow from your past and, and that's what you want for you, then that has to be the way that you deal with other people, even if in your small-mindedness you believe that somehow they're worse off than you or, or did something that's um, a greater sin than, than you've done, that again, that's just not the case, that we're all equally wretched um, and it's a hard pill to swallow from times and I get it, my mind struggles with certain things, like I've mm -hmm. never murdered somebody, I've never done this, but we're all equally as far from God as the other one, and we all have the same need for Jesus as the other one as well. And within the context, again, of, of what God's Word reveals to us, that that hard pill to swallow is this. Yes, that the murderer is just as much in need of, of repentance and salvation and forgiveness as, as I am and as you are. And if I want to to be um, forgiven and to operate in that manner, that's the same expectation that we have to allow other people to, to come to Christ with as well. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what the Bible says, you know, that it doesn't matter, you know, any of our sins has caused separation between us and God, any, any sin, right? Not just murder, lying. Lying has caused the separation between us and God, and it's only through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that reconciles us back to God. You, the liar, you, the person who's judgmental, you, the person who, you know, you know talks down to, to somebody who's also made in the, in the image of God, you have that same separation 
from God that the murderer does or the, the person who's done other, other really bad things. Um, and, it, and, and you both are reconciled the exact same way, and that's only through belief in Jesus Christ. And so, you know, yeah, there's... <clears throat> And that, and that, and that reconciliation wipes away those things, right? That's what we believe. At least that's what we say we believe. If we show up on a Sunday and you know we profess to be a Christian, that's what we say we believe. But some of us don't always live that out. And like Aaron said, it's tough. You try being a part of recovery ministry and dealing with certain types of people and knowing what they've done, and to sit there and and you want to you know, like you're talking about you know. I, Hey, I'm 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 very much a justice kind of person. I don't think enough justice gets exacted in our current society right now. And so, you know, it is that's something that I've had to grow in is that, you know, I'm shaking hands with somebody and I know what they've, you know, done in the past and um and I'm better with that now, but and it and this doesn't excuse what they've done either. But like I said, like Aaron said, should they be here? Yeah. Because you know what I don't want them to do? I don't want them to go out and keep doing what it was that, yeah. that got them here, you know? I don't want a murderer to go out and murder more. I want them to be here and understand what, you know, the love of Jesus and and, and to not do that stuff anymore, yeah. you know? And, and to provide them a place where they can, you know, learn to <clears throat> live a life of, of love instead of hate. And I mean, and that applies to all the all the other things that you know we we don't want to necessarily get into on, on the, the podcast per se. But um, like I said, I don't I don't want those people out there doing that kind of stuff anymore. So either you know our choices are you know we try to explain to them what redemption means through Jesus Christ, or we lock them in a hole somewhere and throw away the key. I mean, I know some people want to do that too, but I don't know. That's not what God calls us to do. Judgments, you know. Uh, judgment is reserved for God, not for us. Yeah. In that in that regard, so. Well, um, man, those are the myths for today <laughs> about recovery. Uh, I know this episode went a little longer than the other ones. Um, Did it? Yeah. Seems like I don't know. I guess time flies. We're having fun. Yeah. We have fun <laughs> when, when you're ranting. ranting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, man, we uh, appreciate you hanging hanging out with us, continuing just to to be a part of this as we endeavor to to grow. Um, we hope that uh, as we pivot into some other topics and and pursuing some other things, that that you'll continue not only to to hang out with us and to stick it out, but uh, we hope that you're encouraged and, and that you learn um, from all of this. Um, as always, I want to direct you guys to to pick up your copy of Pursuing Freedom from uh, Amazon. Um, again, it's written by our very own Caleb Spider. Um, and then check us out on, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube. You can find um, all of our, our sermons on YouTube and, and messages broken down um, topically. So it's a great resource for that. And then be sure wherever you're listening to this podcast to, to leave us uh, uh, reviews and, and comments on there um, just to continue to help this to grow and to get out there. And if you are in need of, of anything, any type of resource, you, you just you know, felt led to reach out or, or whatever, um, you can reach us at the church office here. It's 918-283-2221 or email us at info at cedarpoint.church. And do, uh, you know, like I said, as we're moving into, you know, off the topic of the book, but, you know, now's a good time to start sending us questions or, you, you know, ask us about particular situations you may be experiencing or maybe topics that you would like to hear us touch on. You know, if you want to hear us rant against the the church <laughs> more you know now's a good time to, to send that to us um through email or through the socials uh just let us know what you want to hear um as we you know like i said we kind of are creating some different content here um going forward so but yeah definitely questions though because we want to help you know if you're not everybody that listens to us is um, from our church and so you're not always here on a monday to, to talk to us um, so if you're listening from somewhere else, man, by all means, please reach out to us, ask us questions, <clears throat> see what we can do. You know, hopefully we can, we can address those and help, help you out. Somewhere. Absolutely. That's good. But, uh, man, thanks again for joining us today. Um, we will catch you right back here next week. Bye.